Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, I got good news for you. I'm not beat down. Neither are you. Unless you want to be. Then you're partnering with a lie. Because it can't be true if it's not in your word. We are free. We are free by the blood of Jesus. He set us free. He redeemed us. Everybody stand up. We're going to say some stuff. I just, I feel, I feel this beat downness in the room. It's just, it's Wednesday and you're like, this is hump day. Man, we made it. That's a lie from hell. Let me just be plain with you. That's a lie from hell. Hump day's a lie from hell. Wednesday's the same as Friday and it's the same as Monday. Jesus is king. It's the same. I don't, I don't need no hump. I don't need to get over no hump. I ain't never been beneath the hump. Jesus lifted me high above all the humps that could come against me. So I don't need no hump day. So just say, I just want you to say some things. Say, I'm blessed. I am free. I am redeemed. The Holy Spirit wants in me in a greater manner. I think I might just let him because I done decided it. That I need him him more than all this other stuff. This This is a house of healing. This is a house of of deliverance. This is a house of salvation. This is a house house full of of Holy Ghost Ghost filled individuals individuals that don't need no hump day. day. In Jesus' name. name. I bless the shoes on my feet. I bless the water that I drink. I bless the food that I eat. I bless the air that I breathe. Bring forth fruit. Now. In Jesus' name. All right, y'all can sit down now. It feels a less, little less funky in here now. Sometimes you just got to decree the enemy out of his pasture that he's come to graze in. Can I, can I tell you that again? Sometimes you got to decree the enemy out of the pasture that he's come to graze in. Can I tell you that there's fruit in your life that is worth having that he's come to eat up? And sometimes you just need to decree him out of the field that he's come to set the pasture. He can't be here. It is not allowed. The blood of Jesus said differently. So no matter what you think or what you feel, it matters what Jesus said. It matters what he did and it matters what he's doing right now. And if you're not partnering with him and what he's doing right now, go ahead and say, I'm wrong. wrong. Because you need to be partnering with him and what he's doing right now. 
And you know what he'd be doing? He'd be healing the sick. He'd be casting out demons. He'd be cleansing lepers. He'd be raising the dead. He came to win souls. He came to set right what was wrong. And that's what you're supposed to be doing. You're not, you don't have less of a Holy Spirit than what Jesus got when John the Baptist brought him up from the water. You don't have a less Holy Spirit. I hate to tell you, but all this religious banter that's been teaching you that you're less than Jesus is wrong. You're less than God, the Son, but you're not less than Jesus, the man. He said so that you could do the works that I did and greater works. He proclaimed that you were going to do greater because you have the same Holy Spirit. You have the same Holy Spirit, but you have something that Jesus didn't have. He wasn't under the blood yet because his blood hadn't been spilled yet. The blood's been spilled for you now. Amen. I can, let me tell you that again. The blood's been spilled for you now. But it wasn't wasted. It wasn't a spilling like I spilled a drink of coffee and now I can't have it anymore. It's still valuable. It's still usable. It wasn't thrown upon the ground to be wasted. It was spilled out upon you in hope that you would be a righteous vessel that could carry out what he prophesied. Can I tell you today that Jesus was a prophet? Can I tell you that he's a prophet? He, he wasn't just the son of God. He was also a prophet of God. He came to speak the truth and he came to write what was wrong and he came to do it the right way. So churches and leaders that aren't doing it that way, they're wrong. It's pretty simple, right? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm so thankful that I, I don't serve the Jesus that can't heal the sick anymore. I'm so thankful that I don't serve the Jesus that just died on a cross and now he's just waiting in the promised land to see if we figure it out to make it there. That he's here now and he's trying to help us even in our stubbornness. And he said, also, I'm going to send you another helper that will help you because you need more help. He said, you need help. And it's okay that we need help. It's okay that we need help. It's okay that you struggle. It just ain't okay that you stay in struggle. You got to come out of it. Jesus came out of the tomb. You got to come out of the tomb. You got to come out of the deadness that's in your life and stop giving life to what is dead. We're going to be in John 4. I'm just getting going. John 4, 16, I'm going to read through 23. How's that? I'm going to do it even if you don't want me to. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For if you had, you've had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband and that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. See, see, I didn't lie to you. It's in your word that he's a prophet. Our father worshiped on this mountain and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where you ought to work, where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, but the hour is coming now is when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such to worship him. Jesus, we thank you that your word is true. 
We thank you that everything between these two lids is correct and right, and there's nothing that can change my mind about it because I've set my mind on the continual washing of my brain with this Word. That I thank you that this Word came to brainwash me to be more like you. And then when I submit to it, that I can step into righteousness and holiness because you said that we needed to continually wash our mind with this word. In Jesus name, Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Have your way. Have your way. I love the way Jesus operates. Don't you love the way Jesus operates? Now, we're we going to be an agreeable church, okay? We're going we gonna to be a church that talks from the chair, not preaches from the chair. Amen? Amen. Let me say it again. We're going to talk from the chair, but not preach from the chair. Right. We're going to agree with what's true, and we're going to keep quiet if somebody's standing up here lying. Amen? Yes, you don't need to preach to them if you think they're wrong. You don't need to share your story and your opinion on what they're saying. Agree with it if it's right. Disagree if it's wrong. Amen? Yes, That's pretty good, right? We can do that. See, I'm trying to help make y'all biblical. That's all I want. Just to make you biblical. Not, not make you a church member. Not make you a great tither in this church. No, no, I just want to make you biblical. Once you're biblical, do, go do whatever you want to do, but do it biblically. That's, that's what I want. That's my only goal. I don't have any other agenda other than to help make you biblical so you can walk in the power and righteousness and holiness that Jesus paid the price on Calvary for you to have. Because it comes by intimacy with the Father. Because He didn't come for us to get a ticket to heaven. He didn't. He came to connect us back to the Father. It was never destination-minded. It was invitation-minded into intimacy. Wow. It was an invitation to step back into intimacy with the Father that had been stripped away because we partnered with hell for too long. He just come to split hell wide open. He came to take the keys. He came to make a mockery of the enemy. And then He told you that it was your victory. How about that? You didn't even do it. And he said, you get, you get the glory for it. You get the honor for it because I am giving it to you. Wait a minute. How do we get glory and honor? Because Jesus said, everything that's mine is now yours. He said, everything, everything. But it's our job when the glory comes just to give it right back to him. It's a continual turning that takes place. It's a circulation that continues to take place. But I love the way Jesus handles things. He's, he's with this, this Samaritan woman. First, you've got to understand that Jesus is a Jew in Samaria. This is a problem. You don't understand how big a problem this is if you don't know your biblical backgrounds. That Jews had nothing to do with not just Samaritans, but Samaria. There was like a line in the, on the ground when the Jews would come to Samaria, they wouldn't even step into it because they believed it would make them unclean. Wow. So Jesus is on his way back with his disciples who are a bunch of Jews and he goes, we need to go through Samaria. They were like, whoa, wait a minute. There's no way. They're talking amongst themselves. You got you to have an imagination when you read the word without changing the word. I mean, you know that they're Jews following a man that they know and to, to believe to be the Messiah, and now all of a sudden he's going to break a customary law among the Jews, and he's going to not only go around Samaria, he has need to go to Samaria. He's going to go to Samaria. Not only that, he's going to eat their food because he sent them in to get food. Can you imagine the conversations? 
I mean, when I stand up here and say something, y'all leave and go home and have conversations about what I said, and you don't know if it's right or wrong. They knew that this was the law. They knew it was the law. Jesus didn't care. Jesus didn't care because Jesus was a prophet that came to correct what needed to be corrected. He came to graft in the Samaritans, the Gentiles. He come, even here, he is understanding the Father's will that one day all people can call him Lord. Not just one people. That's good news. Because that wouldn't include you because I don't see no Jews in this room. You might be part Jew, but you're not full Jew. They would kick you out. So he's there with this woman, not supposed to be in Samaria because it's against the Jewish custom. It's against the Jewish law. We know later on he starts to break even more laws, eating on the Sabbath, plucking the heads of grain. He's doing all kinds of stuff. He's healing people on the sick, healing people on the Sabbath. They don't like any of this because he's destroying what they believe to be covenantal law. But they didn't understand that he was the covenantal law. And he has the ability to change and fix anything he wants, anytime that he wants to. And all our job to do is write it down and go, this is the new way. This is what we're supposed to be doing. So Jesus is, is so merciful because I, I've had my woman at the well moment many times. Where he comes and sits down with me and he asks me a question. Because he's trying to get to the root of my problem. This is what he's doing with the woman. He says, go and call your husband. Go and call your husband. He's making a statement to her, a declaration of something that he knows she cannot do because she has no husband. Because she's had five husbands and the one she's with now is not even her husband. He already knows this. Why would he make the statement? Because he wants her to understand that he sees her and he don't care as long as she'll surrender it to him. He don't care about the struggle that's in your life. He cares that you don't stay in the struggle that's in your life. He wants you to surrender it to him, not so he could keep it and give it back to you in 10 days. That's what some of y'all believe. He, you, you, I gave it to Jesus 10 days ago, but now it's back on my front door now. Well, you didn't give it to him. Because that's not who he is. Why, why would he do that? Why does he want to bring up the root of the problem? So he can legally save you. So he can get legal right to set you free from what's binding you. Because he can't come and set you free from something that you won't admit that's binding you. He has to bring it up so you have a conversation about it. So you'll start to let him facilitate and orchestrate the exiting of the thing that's keeping you bound. He comes to give permission for you to surrender it to him. Ain't that great? I know some of you wish he would just come and rip it out in the middle of the night. But if he did that, most of y'all would wake up in the morning with an empty house. And you'd think you were robbed. You'd call the police. And they wouldn't find anybody that took it because Jesus stripped all the stuff out of your life and destroyed it in the middle of the night and they'll never find who took it. Because they don't have eyes to see or ears to hear. They are blind, deaf, and dumb and they cannot find him. Woman says, I had no husband. Jesus said to her, I know. Right? 
I know. I know you don't. I was seeing if you'd admit it to me. He said, I brought it up to see if you would actually tell me the truth. God don't bring it up so that you can tell him 101 reasons why you need to hang on to it. He brings it up to see if you'll be truthful with him. Because you lie to everybody else. Wow. I'm not a liar. Yes, you are. <laughs> we, we all do. At times we all tell stories to try to hang on to what we know we need to get rid of. We hang on to what we know needs to go and we come up with reasons why we need to hang on to it. If he said it's not yours and you say that it is, that makes you a liar. It's that simple. Look, I'm not, I'm not, trying to, I'm not mad at anybody in this room. You need to understand that. I'm not. I just come tell you the truth. I come tell you the truth that you need to align with Jesus and the Word of God and what He's speaking to you and let everything else pass away. Just let it die. If He's not breathing on it, let it die. Don't grab a hold of it and give it mouth to mouth for 10 years trying to keep it alive and you wonder why you're exhausted. You've been breathing life into something that He's called dead. You've been using the breath of life that He gave you to breathe life into something that's dead. Instead, just let it die. There you go. You have permission to just let it die. Man, if y'all grabbed a hold of this, I'd get so many phone calls tomorrow from people that, are, that know you. What did you say to them? What did you, they just let go of so many things. I don't, even know what to, I don't even know who they are anymore. Praise God. Praise God. This is what happened with this woman at the well. She let go of so many things in one moment that she went back to a city that despised her and they didn't even recognize her anymore. Instead, they were ready to receive from her. A prostitute, an adulterous woman. They're ready to receive truth from her. Because they said, first we believe because you said. Why would you believe an adulterous prostitute? You wouldn't. They're liars. They're just trying to get you to give empathy to them so they can receive something else again. But she was changed. She was completely different. I love that she said, I have no husband. See, I'm, I'm going to tell you, that we're looking at this two different ways, and I don't have time to do it all. I would love to. Maybe we'll continue it Sunday. I don't know. But as I was spending time in the Word this afternoon, the Lord gave me another revelation into this, this, this chapter right here. She said, I have no husband. See, she, she didn't realize it. But she stepped into a spiritual realm right there. She was prophesying over herself that up to that moment, the enemy had legal right to be her husband. When she said, I have no husband, she broke the bond. She broke the bond by telling the truth. She said, I am not married. Well, she said, I'm not bound to anything or anyone. I am free from everything that bound me. Once I got to this well and you begin to speak to me, the moment you told me to go get my husband and I told you that I did not have one, that was the moment that I got free from what was binding me. See, the enemy had a hold of me, but the moment I said he didn't anymore and I gave Jesus control, I was free from what bound me. She didn't even realize what was happening because that's who Jesus is. He'll come and ask you a question to get you to give an answer that you don't even fully understand that will liberate you from what's binding you. That's called mercy. That's called mercy. 
I taught you a couple weeks ago that this whale, this particular whale and whales in other cities would have been where these single women would have came to meet a husband. Because they understood that only the single women came to draw water because married women would then get servants and people that served under them, people they were training up, and they would go get the water and they were single. It was a cycle of marrying off people. So Jesus already knew by her coming to the well, she had no husband. Either she had no husband or she was an adulterous woman who was looking for someone else to sleep with. Amen? He already knew that in the natural. Prophecy aside, being a prophet, he could just know that because the customs. But Jesus come to tell her a different story. He come to tell her that you did come to get married today. And I'm freeing you from all of your past. Every past five husband that you had, it'll be as if it never happened if you just drink of the water I'm going to give you. Amen. Amen. He then prophesies. Word of knowledge. The gifts. People have problems with the gifts. Here they are in the New Testament. Sorry. Sorry. Word of knowledge is real. To know things about someone that you shouldn't know because the Spirit of God inside you tells you. Jesus had it too. He said, you've had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. In this, you spoke truly. He said, you told me the truth that you don't have a husband. But that's okay, so I'm about to marry you. Wow. You belong to me. You belong to me. What's he saying? He said, you've had five. He said, you've had many lovers in your life that you stepped into a marital covenant with, that you laid your entire life down to be bound to. He said, but I'm here to tell you today that I'm here to liberate everything that you used to bind yourself with. I'm here to set you free from everything from your past. If you'll just bow to me, if you'll just serve me, if you'll just love me. Many lovers had come, but her one true love was standing before her. And she says, I perceive you to be a prophet. She says, man, that's a little wild that you would know that. You got to understand that she's not like Americans where you can go around the corner and run into a prophet. It'll give you a word. She'd probably never stood before anyone that could tell her these kind of things before. Him knowing her past startled her. But also because he was a Jew in Samaria, Jesus would have been deemed dirty by entering. Jesus was changing things. Jesus walks in, like most of us, this is what we do next. He reveals something ugly inside of us, and we try to change the subject. Come on now. He reveals something ugly inside of you and you try to change the subject. You want to talk to him about everything else. You'll even go into worshiping him, hoping he'll forget that he just revealed something that he's telling you that he wants. You'll go to the prayer closet. 
You'll start fasting. You'll go feed, feed the homeless. You'll, you'll go do everything but give him what he put his finger on. So what's she do? She goes to an age-old question, an argument between Samaritans and Jews. She goes, he's a prophet. I don't want to talk about me. I'm going to get wisdom for an age-old question. She says, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and the Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one is to worship. Once she knew he was a powerful prophet, she wanted to ask him wisdom. She wanted wisdom from him. She wanted to receive something other than what he was trying to actually do. She said, no, don't give me deliverance, give me knowledge. Don't give me freedom, give me knowledge about freedom. I don't want to be free, I just want to know about it. I want to be able to stand in front of someone later and tell them all the things that I found out. But inside you're bound. Inside you're messed up. And inside you have no right to be telling anybody anything. Because you didn't give him what he asked for. So what's the question? What's the question? Which mountain? Which mountain? Mount Moriah? Mount Gerizim? Which one? Which one? Jesus, which, which mountain is the right one? Because it's, our fathers have been arguing about this forever. See, we got all these big plans and big ideas of things that we think that are important to the kingdom of God. Well, no, we're supposed to pray in tongues. No, we're not supposed to pray in tongues. Healing's for today. No, healing's not for today. We can still cast out demons. Demons don't exist. Hell don't exist. No hell does exist. We get all these things we want to argue about. And Jesus answers her. He said, well, believe me. Believe me, he said. Right there. Right there. He just said, forget all that. Right there. In that one, one little, little, two words. Believe me. If I believe him, I can't believe anybody else that doesn't say what he says. I can't believe any lie that the enemy brings in. I can't believe any feeling that comes into my life. If I look outside right now and it says it, and it is raining, and I can see that it's raining, but Jesus is standing next to me and says it's not raining, who am I going to believe? I'm believing Jesus. Y'all believe it, the rain. You believe what you see. He said, that's little faith. He said, you believe it because you've seen, but blessed are those that believe and have not seen. We've got all these things. Believe me. Believe me. Believe me. Believe me, he says. Believe me. You know what I am? A Christian? Yeah? Okay. That's fine. I, pre I prefer the term believer. I believe. What do you believe? All this. I believe all y'all are liars. And the Word of God's true. See, we can get offended over the Word, but we don't understand that that's what the Word says. It says, let every man be a liar and the Word of God be true. I'm going to agree with this over you. The most powerful thing that, I, that you have to figure out is your relationship with God, not your relationship with people. Jesus is right. They're wrong. They're wrong. 
unless they align with him, then he's still right, and they're only agreeing with what he already said. <laughs> they're not right. He is. We just align them with what is right. I know this ain't uh, charismatic enough for y'all, and I'm not prophesying over people and casting out demons and blind. But this is, you got to stop being so undoctrinally sound. You need to get doctrinally sound. Before he can use you in power, he has to make you biblical. It's not about knowledge, it's about knowing him, understanding how to know him better. Believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. He answers her question. Which mountain? Neither. Let me just tell you that your fathers were wrong, he said. Wow. Wow. Preacher does that today, y'all just leave the church. You're just done. Never coming back. So you get broken enough and then you come crawling back. You try to pretend like it never happened and you never fix the problem that was there. Neither. Neither. He says, but the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Neither. True worshipers is that of the heart, not of a particular place. It's a heart posture. It's a heart posture. What, what, we hear this, this term, heart posture. Heart posture. You need to fix your heart posture. You need to change your heart posture. What does that mean? How do I do that? If your heart's beating and you stop it from beating, what are you? Dead. Dead. So, to fix your heart posture is to change the way your heart beats for something. For purpose. Guess what you can't stop? Your heartbeat. So when your heart posture changes, you change too. If you worship in spirit and truth, and that is your heart posture, you will only walk in spirit and truth. When you don't, you have not fixed your heart posture upon it. The blood will flow differently. It changes everything about you. Everything about you changes. Everything about Him just changed. In Jesus' name. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Let me tell you, if you're not doing this, then your worship is false. Because the Word of God said so. Not because Andrew said so. Because the Word said so. The Word said that if you don't work, he, He's looking. He said there's coming a time and now it is here. We're true worshipers. That's the two words you need to pay attention to. True worshipers. If you're not a true worshiper, you are a false worshiper. A pretender. Because you are not worshiping in spirit and truth.
God the Father, Abba, is seeking only this. This is all he's after. This is all he cares about. It's okay. It's just some kids crying. They, they will make it, I promise. Focus. Church for the first world has become about coming to a place and getting your immediate problems fixed. That's what it has began to exist for. That's the reason people come. I need to feel good. I need to get around people that will make me feel But I need to hear something. That'll just get me through tomorrow. Church has become an ER station instead of a surgery station. To where you can come and just get a band-aid on it and hope it works out. You don't want to take your vehicle to a mechanic and then when they get it back, they tell you this is a band-aid. It will not last. So you don't want that, but you're okay with coming to a body, a building, a people, and them giving you messages that will not last. Because you become used to the band-aid because you enjoy the boo-boos. You enjoy the bruises. You enjoy being beat up where you're sitting there thinking, no, I don't. Yes, you do. You don't even realize it because it's become your reality. You become addicted to being broken. You become addicted to just never measuring up. I'll never succeed. I'll never make them happy. I'll never be what I'm supposed to be. Americans have become addicted to being problematic. Well, I'm not here to do that. Because I'm here to tell you that I don't have any problems. None. None. This building can catch on fire right now, and I have no problems. You would. I don't. It can burn to the ground, baby. I do not care. And it's not because I have insurance, even though I do. <laughs> we have insurance because they made me. If this were a building in India, there would be no insurance because they don't care. <laughs> Why do you not have problems? Because Jesus is king. Because Jesus is king. All that matters to me is what he said and what he's doing. That's all that matters. If Jesus don't get excited when this building catches on fire, I'm not getting excited. I'm just going to say, hey guys, we probably need to get out of here. You need to stop living in a reality that you're living from problem to problem. When are you going to move from blessed to power? 
How are you today, brother? Oh, I'm blessed. That's a lie. That's just what you tell people. Inside, you're struggling because you're still dealing with the problems instead of stepping into power. Instead of just stepping into the reality that you're free, not because you haven't felt it yet, but because He said so. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are free. Let me say it again. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are free. Well, how come I don't feel like it? Because you're a grabber. You like to grab a hold of all the problems and that you just will never be enough and you listen to all the lies and you have all these thoughts. Brother Andrew, all these thoughts are just driving me nuts. I just don't know what to do. Um, Stop listening to them. Just go to the Bible and find out that he says resist. What is resisting? What is resisting? In the kingdom, it's just ignoring it and aligning with the Word of God. I said this a couple days ago. I said, when the enemy comes and knocks on your door, you better make sure the Word's what answers it. The problem is, is you answer it with the Word. Y'all are lost. I see it. You've been taught to answer the enemy with the Word instead of allowing the Word to answer the door. You don't need to answer the door. That fight is not yours. Your fight is not there. You don't even have a fight. He doesn't want it. The battle is won. When the battle's won, you know what you do? Dance. <laughs> Worship. Sing and be merry. Eat. Dine at the table. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If he's knocking at your door, how could the enemy be? The enemy isn't knocking at your door. He's knocking at Jesus' door. And if Jesus isn't answering it, why are you? We have this saying, don't answer questions that Jesus isn't asking. Don't answer questions that Jesus isn't asking. The enemy comes, are you sure you want to do that? And you answering. Well, I feel, I feel like God told me to. I feel like it, it might, might be the right thing. To, I probably should. Do. Why are you talking to him? If Jesus already told you to do it, Jesus is not going to ask you if you should do it. That's the enemy trying to get you not to stop doing what Jesus, just to answer him. What you give attention to will enter you. What you allow to entertain you will enter you. Stop being entertained by the questions of the enemy, the thoughts of the enemy. And instead, align with the Word of God, the truth and the Word of what God said you're supposed to be doing, who that you are, and just live it. Just live it. Just live it. Just live. You have full permission to just live the Word of God. Ain't that pretty awesome? Ain't that pretty great? I've seen blind eyes open and deaf ears open. I've seen people get out of wheelchairs and tumors fall off people and, and babies with, with scars on their face disappear. And, and I've seen amazing things. 
And that's what y'all want. That's what y'all want. Y'all want to see that. And you wonder why you don't. Not because I'm greater than you. It's not. It's not because I'm more anointed. It's not because I'm more gifted. It's not because there's a healing, on my, healing gift on my life. It's because when I pray for those people, I don't pray for those people. Because nowhere in your word does it say pray for the sick. It says heal them. How do we heal them? How do we heal them? The answer is you can't. But the word can. Jesus can. So why do I see healings and you don't see them the way I see them? Because when I lay hands on them people, I know the word's going to work. I know it is. I have faith in this. I told you I was a believer. I believe it. And when you're a believer, your Bible says miracle signs and wonders will follow. They're chasing you down if you're a believer. They're waiting. Everywhere you walk around a corner and there's someone in a wheelchair, miracle signs and wonders are following you going, if they'll just touch them. If they'll just touch them, we're just going to go to work. We're just going to do what they can't do because they believed in this. What am I telling you? I'm giving you the secrets to the kingdom of heaven. It's all of it. The complete secret to the kingdom of heaven. Here it is. Believe this and everything else will work out. It's that simple. Believe this. Sometimes there's storms in your life because you believe in the storms in your life. When Jesus is sleeping on the boat and the storms come and they wake him up, I believe this. When Jesus stood up, he didn't see a storm. He knew they believed in it and he knew they were seeing it. You think Jesus believes in the storms in your life? Do you think He believes they exist? He doesn't. He don't believe they exist. Because He's not going to give power to what isn't real. And what is real is what's eternal. So when Jesus woke up, they're losing their mind. Don't you care? They were about to perish from this great storm? He's like, what storm? What are you talking about? He sees it to distraught, so he says, shut up. Then they freak out. Who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey his commands? He says, you have little faith. You have little faith. They have put faith in the wrong direction. He said, I don't even see the storm. But here I'll help calm yours. But I'm calming yours so that you won't have them anymore. Stop breathing life into storms that Jesus didn't put in your life. Things that are in your way that are not from heaven can just go away. It's pretty simple. Stand all over the room. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, now is the time for that. If you need to come forward and give your life to Jesus, I got some team members that would love to pray for you.
They would love to help do that for you, to help get you to Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're drowning. And if you're drowning, you don't need to be saved sometime today. You need to be saved right now. The second thing is if you don't have a prayer language, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. You've never done that, but you want it. I want you to come forward. i got an awesome young man named Seth that would love to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If that's you, just come forward. There ain't no shame in it. If that's you, come forward. Seth would love to come pray for you. Just stand right here for me, facing me. Seth will come up. Yeah, just stand right here. Right here. Seth will come and he's going to pray for you. This is Seth. This is Seth. Uh, why, don't, why, don't, why aren't you praying for me? Because it's the body. We got to work together. We got to empower others to do what the Bible already said that we could do. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, just come forward. Seth's going to pray for you. Go ahead, Seth. Go ahead.